Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Beautiful to see everyone here. It's wonderful to be um, in the Church of Jesus Christ here in Mesa, Arizona. Um, we've been going through our sermon series over the last few weeks, and I'm very excited to continue that. And if you've been paying attention, we've done reflect, we've done repent, release, and recover. And this is all for us that we might understand what is righteousness, number one, that we would understand that we can't get more of it because all of that righteousness came from Jesus Christ, which is now in us. And our job is that we might kind of have less of us and more of Jesus Christ in our lives, that we might completely surrender to him and that his will in our lives might be manifest. So I'm very excited today. I'm going to leave it open for what that last, for our next R. Um, and Brother Anthony is going to introduce that. Um, please remember those who are on our prayer list, um, but it's exciting to have some visitors here today, some we haven't seen in a long time, and it's so beautiful um, to see where God has in store for us today. So with that, why don't we all rise? We're going to open in prayer. I'm going to ask Brother Brian to come up and open us. Let us all bow our heads in prayer. <clears throat> our righteous and eternal Father, we are so thankful, Lord, as we come before you today to be in thy house, Lord, and to be with our brothers and sisters, ones, Lord, that you've given us in the church of Jesus Christ. And, oh, Lord, we rejoice in knowing that you're on your throne this morning, that you are the Savior of all the world. We rejoice, Lord, that you were born, and, Father, that you gave unto us the gospel of Jesus Christ in these the latter days. And, O oh Lord, even that you were willing to give your life ransom of all of our sins. And, Lord, we are the recipients of so many blessings that you have bestowed upon us as thy children. O oh Lord, you have given us so much. And, O oh Lord, we thank you and we praise you from the bottom of our heart. And we are here, Lord, that we might honor you, that we might glorify you, Lord, for the blessings that you have bestowed upon us as thy children. And even, Lord, though we live in difficult times, we know that you are by our side, Father, that you walk before us, and that, oh, Lord, that we are following thee in that straight and narrow way that will lead to the kingdom of God. And so I pray, Father, as we begin this service, that you would bless our brother Anthony, that you would inspire him, Lord, with words from on high that will fill our souls, Lord, and that will give us the strength that we need even as we go through this week, Lord, that we might be the light of this world, the salt of this earth, and that you might look down upon us, Lord, and that you would be pleased. We thank you, and we praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Nice to see such a beautiful group today, and we're thankful to see some who uh, traveled many miles for various reasons, partly to see family, and we're just grateful to have you as part of the family of God and to um, be blessed even in knowing that we're all serving and we're all pressing forward in our commitment that we've made to God. Um, we've got, um, as we've been, been following this, this series, we've got um, the, uh, the different hours of righteousness today, and our brother uh, A.J. mentioned the first ones that we had and I think if um, things are working right, we had, we had, and our brother went through it, I'm not going to spend time, but we had reflect, 
and I'm not going to go through all these, but we had, um, let's see what we've got here. Repent was the second one. And, you know, these are, these are things that, you know, we're taking them in a certain sequence. It's not like it's some kind of 12-step program that you have to do one before the other. There are certain things you have to experience in order to fully receive the blessings of God. But um, there's always a good time to reflect throughout our lives. We're never done. And it's always a good time to repent. And we speak about that every week, even before we partake of this communion. Um, again, release was the third one. And then last week, we heard a message about recovering. And we thank God for the blessings we felt. Um, can I tell them about the interpretation? Yeah. You know, uh, last week we had the gift of tongues during our meeting. Our sister, Donna Prisoner, spoke in the gift of tongues. It was a beautiful manifestation of the Spirit of God. And then after we, uh, I guess after we kind of closed our, our online uh, version of the, of the service, or our portion of the service, um, we asked if there was an interpretation for the tongues, because we hadn't, we hadn't gotten that. Um, later on in the service, our sister, um, I'm sorry, our sister Michelle um, Brown, she got up and she was just almost overcome with the spirit as she had the hard time uttering the words. But she received the, the interpretation of the tongues. As she heard it, later on these, these words came to her so clearly and she stood up and she said, this is what the Lord said. Um, it said, he, he has not forsaken you. Jesus is always with you. And that was the interpretation of the tongues. And um, those of us who were here, um, the spirit that accompanied not only the gift of tongues but the interpretation, the spirit that we felt just confirmed what a beautiful, beautiful message it was. It was a blessing, as we spoke to our sisters, it was a blessing to the sister who received the interpretation it was a blessing to the sister who had the gift of tongues, and it was a blessing to all of us. So I wanted to share that with you today. The Lord said, he has not forsaken you. Jesus is always with you. And I hope that we can all take that personally into our heart to know that that is a truth, um, and, it, and it's borne out by the scriptures. So this morning we're going to talk about the next R, which is rearrange. We prepare ourselves to receive the blessings of God by rearranging our lifestyle to give us continuous, continuous intimacy with Jesus. We can talk a little bit about lifestyle, and I'll talk about some rearranging that we've seen in the scriptures take place. But there's other kinds of uh, re rearranging that takes place, too, that I'm going to talk about. Um, the whole point, the whole beauty and the value in rearranging this morning is we can be um, more efficient and effective in our service to God. And again, you know, the continuous intimacy, that's the most important thing. That's the, that's the really beautiful thing that we can enjoy on a daily basis. There's a need for us to give up behaviors and practices that hinder uh, us from being in an intimate, intimate relationship with God. It says behaviors and practices, and I'm going to add something. We have to give up those attitudes that also hinder us from being in an intimate relationship with the Lord. We have to be willing to make changes and modifications that are necessary in our life. And uh, there, was a, there was a couple of uh, points in the, in the outline that we started out with about what would the world think if we make changes, and should we care? 
I think what we need to care this morning is that we have that intimate relationship with God. And if we are focused on that and, and make that a priority, uh, the Lord will bless us. He'll bless us with the Spirit of God. He'll bless us with the love of God. And we'll have uh, a good relationship with others. I think that the scriptures bear out the fact that if we're living right before God, we, we will have, um, in general, we will have good relationships with those around us in the world that we live in. Now, all these R's um, have been, you know, action words, they're verbs, but I don't want us to think that they're works, per se. They're not works. They're not, we're not doing things. We're not earning points. We're just, we're just making changes. We're doing things to align ourselves with the will of God. And there's things that are visible in our rearranging, and there's also things that are perhaps invisible on the surface, but they bear fruit that's visible. And we'll go through a little bit of that um, as we go forward. You know, we have, um, we have this amazing quality of free agency, the, the freedom of choice to do or not do as we please. And that's, a di that's the difference, you know, there's a couple of scriptures in Psalms and then it's repeated in Hebrew that God made us a little lower than the angels. Yeah, we're not, we're not angelic creatures. We're not divine creatures in that sense that we're created uh, to, be, to dwell in the presence of God eternally. We do have this difference that we are allowed to choose um, what, what we do. So we have a freedom. And we, we read about that, um, and I'm not going to really go into it a lot, but we read about that in particular in um, the second chapter of Second Nephi about uh, free to act and not be acted upon. It's, it's, the, it's the gift that we have, and especially when we partake of the salvation of the Lord, um, that freedom is just enhanced beautifully because we're no longer a slave to sin. And, you know, the world might look at that differently. They might look at the freedom to sin as the license to do whatever they please, but it leads to death and, and destruction, eternal destruction. And the Lord Jesus came and died to free us from that. So we have this beautiful freedom, and we can make these adjustments in our life to even uh, grow closer to him. Um, I'm going to go through, I have a few scriptures here, and I'm not going to really go into the scriptures because they're just examples I'm going to touch on. But um, one of the really great examples I thought of rearranging their lives um, were the people of Ammon. We read about this in Alma chapters 23 and 24. These are the, these are the people that, um, when they were converted to the Lord, the, the people of King Limhi and the people of the four sons of Mosiah when they went to see the Lamanites, they were so strongly converted that they had been a very bloodthirsty people, and they decided they were going to bury their weapons in the earth. They were never going to take up weapons again because that was the life they had left behind. And so they were, they were determined that they weren't going to take up those wep weapons, and they, even to the point of facing battle without weapons, going unarmed before their enemies, they were determined that much. And it's important, I think it's important that we realize they didn't just hang up their swords and, you know, put it on the hook on the wall and say, well, I'm not going to, I used to have that, but I'm not going to use it anymore. They didn't just hang it up and leave it there, but they buried them deep in the earth. And I hope that we understand that there's things that we might uh, do, as it says, make changes and modifications. There are things that we might change in our lives. We have to make sure that we, um, you know, mortify, 
as it, as it says in the New Testament, mortify the flesh and the, the desires, that we, that we put them to death. We completely eliminate them from our lives. You know, if, they, if the, if the uh, anti-Nephi-Lehi's, if the people of Ammon had their weapons, um, you know, hanging up as a trophy on the wall somewhere, even though they thought, well, I'm never going to go back to that. But the fact that it's just there, that they're walking past it every day, that's the kind of thing, the kind of temptation that we need to get rid of in our lives. And I would hope and pray that you can see that as a kind of a type and shadow. There might be things, I guess if you're, if you're anything like me, there's things in, in our lives, in my life, that have to be buried deep in the earth. They have to be put away forever, not gone back to. The Lord will give us the strength to avoid our temptations, but we can help a lot by just you know, making them not part of our life, not part of what we come across every day that's calling to us, to our flesh, and we um, allow ourselves to dwell in heavenly places in the, in the mind of Christ. The, the Lord, you know, the thing about the Lord and his salvation, when we uh, go down to the waters of, of, re, of regeneration and take upon ourselves the name of Jesus Christ, when we have hands laid upon us for the reception of the Holy Ghost, we have to understand the Lord is committed, 100% committed to our success in going through this life, enduring to the end faithfully that we might be welcomed into his kingdom forever. The Lord Jesus and, and his heavenly Father are availing themselves um, to us of their power and their strength and their mercy. And again, as our brother said this morning, their righteousness, that we might be able to um, accomplish that commitment that we made. So we can allow ourselves to be set up for that success by, again, um, adjusting our lives and, and arranging ourselves so that we can take advantage of that. And we can also set ourselves up for failure. As I said before, if we don't fully put away those things, we can kind of set ourselves up for failure and not accomplishing the commitment that we made. We read in the Old Testament, and there's so many scriptures I can't even go into, but there are many places in the Old Testament where the people of Israel, they came into the land of Canaan. You know, they were led there by the Lord by, with his mighty hand. We, they were led there. And then they um, conquered the enemy. They conquered the people that lived there. And in some cases, when we read this through the Old Testament, they kind of wavered back and forth following the Lord and not following him. And when they weren't following him, a lot of times, surprisingly, they were following after the gods that were, they were idols. And they, they, were, they were groves. There's a lot of places where these were is groves. Like there were places where these idols were located. And the people of Israel, from time to time, they set up these groves. They, they maintained them. They kept them. And they were, they, were not, they were not worshiping God. They were worshiping other things. And we read of righteous kings who cut down the groves. We read of righteous people that eliminated and burned the groves and the idols. But then we read of other places where they kept them. They, they just left them there. And again, going back to that idea of burying our weapons deep in the ground, there are things that we need to leave behind us as we rearrange our lives to serve God. I like the way Jesus said it. Um, he, had, he had such a good way of saying things so, so sh in such short terms. This is what Jesus said to the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. Go and sin no more. 
That's, that's basically what we're talking about this morning. Um, very simple terms. There's a lot to it. Many sermons could be preached on it. But this is what the Lord Jesus is telling us in our lives. Go and sin no more. He said something very similar to the man who was healed at the pool of Bethesda. I believe our brother Austin talked about this uh, man who received this beautiful healing at the pool of Bethesda. And later on in the temple, uh, Jesus encounters him, and he says, sin no more, lest a worse thing happen to you. And I'm kind of paraphrasing. But again, the whole idea was, yes, you've been healed physically, but now that, now that you're in a better place physically and spiritually, keep yourselves. Sin no more. Keep yourselves in a place where the Lord can work with you. I'm going to um, go forward to the... There was one scripture that we did... Um, Kind of, I'm not sure if we've got more. Okay, we've got um, one scripture here, and I, it's on the slide in uh, the book of Luke, the 19th chapter. The first 10 verses are the, the account of the Lord Jesus Christ and his encounter with Zacchaeus. And I'm sure many of us, if not all of us, are familiar with the story of the man who climbed the sycamore tree to um, see the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're just going to go through that a little bit here, and um, I'll actually read it. You can read along. And, and Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. So keep in mind, he, he had a very, in this, in this world of the publicans, who were kind of um, people of Israel, people of the Jewish um, lineage, who kind of worked for the Roman Empire and collected taxes and kind of took advantage of skimming a little bit of that advantage of that financial position that they were in. So he was the chief among them, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press because he was little of stature. I think the key in this verse is that he sought to see Jesus. He looked for him. He was searching him out. He wanted to see who he was. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. Sometimes if, there's a, if you know there's a parade going on, um, this happens at Disneyland, right? Every night at Disneyland. If there's a parade going on, it's like you've got to really hustle to get a place where you can actually see what's going on in the parade. So similar Zacchaeus, he had to... Um, run before, go before the crowd, and find the tree and climb up into it to see uh, Jesus, because he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him, and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. So the Lord um, really honored him with his presence in his house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man who was a sinner, that is a sinner. And, and Zacchaeus stood, and this is a little bit at the, in the passage of time in the, in the scene in the house now. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus, and Jesus said unto him, This day 
is salvation come to this house, for so much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So this is the account of Zacchaeus, and it's important for us to realize um, a few things here. I think in the, in the eighth verse, and I kind of highlighted it, I think, in my next slide. He stood and he said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. So he's kind of, you know, in the presence of God, Zacchaeus realizes there's some things that he um, has needs to do to change, to change his lifestyle. He needs to show um, repentance, you know, and we, we're not going to go through those R's now, but he had, to, he had to have gone through some of those reflecting and repenting. Um, and now he's rearranging his life. He's, he's not going to be the um, corrupt publican, perhaps, that he, that he was before. But he's going to, he said if he's taken anything from anybody falsely, he's going to restore them four, fourfold. Which, again, in the, in the law of Moses, the restoration, the, re, the restitution is uh, greater in many cases from a monetary standpoint. You repay back more than you took. And this is what he's showing the Lord that he's doing. And the Lord, Jesus honored, Jesus honored that. He, he said that, you know, that he was doing a good thing. He says, today salvation has come to this house. And I, I was thinking about this, um, you know, if you have, maybe some of you are in the military, if you have the inspector coming, you're definitely going to make sure that what the inspector sees is, you know, all good, right? It's not like you're going to you know, be slacking off. Even Jesus said if the, if the good men of the house knew what hour the master was going to return, he would, be, he would be ready, right? So part of me thought, well, okay, so Zacchaeus is just kind of like making sure that he's telling Jesus that he's doing all the right things, right? But it's not, it's not quite that, not quite that simple. It reminds me of our, one of our um, daughters. You know, our, our older daughter was so good about drinking milk. It wasn't like she was good about it. She just loved milk, okay? She just, we just never had any issue of her drinking milk. And our second daughter, we kind of had to remind her, finish your milk, it's good for you. You know, drink your milk, it's good for you. So in the course of, in the course of taking our daughter, our younger daughter, to the um, pediatrician one time, and she must have been like maybe three years old. But so the pediatrician walks into the room, and right away she says, I drink my milk. It's like, <laughs> like... Making sure, like, you know, doctor, you know, I'm good. I drink my milk. And again, it's kind of, it's kind of comical. It's, you know, she's never had any problems with her health or anything. But I think that's where, a little bit like what we're like sometimes. We want to make sure that the inspector knows that we're doing it all right, okay? And so Zacchaeus, you could say that he was doing that. But again, I want you to realize the Lord saw it and honored it. He had, you know, the Lord... Zacchaeus wasn't going to fool the Lord. He wasn't going to pull anything over the Lord's eyes. He had the creator of heaven and earth sitting in his house. Believe me, the Lord was going to call it out if he was not, you know, being sincere about it. Now, con to contrast with that, I saw a couple of uh, ex examples in the 18th chapter of Luke, and I'm going to bring them to your attention because it's really important about the the attitude, the change of heart, and the desire and the motivation of Zacchaeus when he's telling the Lord what he's doing. So we're going to go back to the 18th 
verse, chapter of Luke in the 11th and 12th verse, and then later the 20 and 21st. So the 11th and 12th, and see if, you, if this is a familiar scripture to you. In the 11th and the 12th, you hear a man saying, I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Now on the surface, you could say that's just kind of like what Zacchaeus is saying, right? You know, I restored, I give half my goods to the poor, I restored to those I stole from. But the thing is, the Lord didn't honor that prayer. This, this um, Pharisee was standing in the, in the temple giving this prayer, and he was basically telling the Lord how much better he was than somebody else. And in effect, it says, and, and it's, not, um, it's not up on the screen, but um, just give me a second here. It says that Jesus' um, Jesus's parable of the Pharisee and the publican was spoken unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. So that's, that's the, the problem that this man had. It wasn't the same as Zacchaeus. This man trusted in his own works, in his own goodness, in his righteousness, and he despised others. He, he was really, in his prayer, more than anything else, he was judging someone else uh, who wasn't doing, I guess, what he was claiming to do. And in the very same chapter, another example of somebody telling the Lord, kind of, you know, if you, if you would, how good they were. And this is in the uh, 20th verse. The Lord, uh, when, the, when the man said, Good master, what must I do? The Lord said, Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. And he said, All these have I kept from my youth up. And I think most of you know the story. The Lord said, well, you have to do more. You've got to give all you have to the poor and follow me. And the, Lord, and the man walked away sorrowful. So again, the, Lord, the man in, in both of these cases, the, the rich young ruler in the second scripture and the Pharisee in the parable earlier, both of them, there wasn't any rearranging going on. In their, in their mind, they were good. Like, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I've arrived. I don't have to change anything. I don't have to rethink anything because, you know, I'm doing all the right things. As we, we often say, I'm checking all the, all the boxes. But the Lord is looking for us, not only them, but us as well, to be, as, as we continue to reflect, to be looking at what do we need to do more and differently. And we're not, we haven't arrived in that sense. And I want us to understand... Um, that this is really, really important for us um, in the church. No matter where we come from and, and who we are, we have to understand um, that the Lord has given us in the Church of Jesus Christ amazing, beautiful insight with, through the restoration of the gospel, through the Bible and the Book of Mormon, amazing insight and truth as to what the Lord's plan is for for the world and for mankind and for the house of Israel. We have a beautiful, beautiful insight and understanding of that through the scriptures. But God forbid lest we should take that fact and say that we're like in some ways above or better than or we've already arrived at the fullness because the Lord isn't, the Lord isn't willing to honor that. You know, we think of uh, the Apostle Paul and I hope that we realize that in some ways this, this might have applied to all the Pharisees and the scribes. 
But the Apostle Paul, who was, again, raised up and brought up with great privilege and great pedigree, you might say. He was taught by the best of the teachers of the law, and he had um, great opportunities to learn the truth. And he was serving God in sincerity. He was, with a vengeance, with a passion, he was serving God by persecuting the saints, he thought, because he was, he was wrong, and he had to rearrange his thinking. Now, he didn't know that he had to rearrange that. Nobody would have been able to convince him that he had to rearrange that. But at some point, the Lord uh, revealed to him that he had to rearrange his thinking. And, and many of the Pharisees, they missed that, they missed that point. Um, we read about Nicodemus, and we have, a, we have a little bit of an insight when Nicodemus went to the Lord at night that he, he must have had some insight. He must have perceived and discerned that, that the Lord was a teacher from God and that he had, great, he had the power to do miracles. And he was perhaps willing to listen to the message of salvation, that, that we had to be born again. And again, that, that being born again, that rebirth, is kind of a re rearrangement of our thinking. Again, realizing who God is and who we are and the need that we have to serve him. So we're going to um, just kind of wrap up a little bit. We want to we understand that even we who perhaps were born and raised in the church, um, some of us generations ago, we, we have um, beautiful... And we have to be thankful for, for the parents and grandparents we might have had who, who served God and who set the example for us and raised us in the nurture and the admission of God. I have nothing but thankfulness for that. But none of us should think, based on that, that we have some, uh, some advantage and some um, exemption from the fallen state of man that we all have to come to terms with. Each one of us has to rearrange our our thinking about our relationship and our standing in the presence of God, and then partake even of that righteousness that he offers us so freely that he died on, on Calvary for. There's, um, there's a kind of a list of things of rearranging that I kind of put together, um, but I'm going to start with a little bit of a scripture here. And as I, as I gave some examples of people like physically actually changing their lives around so they could serve God, be closer to him. Um, a lot of what I talked about this morning was changing attitudes and thoughts. And this morning, um, I like, and I, this is one of my favorite scriptures in, in uh, Mosiah, the fourth chapter, King Benjamin. And all of what he said was so beautiful. But in the 29th verse, and I'm going to add the word rearrange in here, um, the, 20, the 29th verse of Mosiah, the fourth chapter, he says, uh, King Benjamin says, And finally, I cannot tell you all the things whereby ye may commit sin, for there are diverse ways and means, even so many that I cannot number them. But in the 30th verse, he says, But this much I can tell you, and I'm, if you excuse me to paraphrase and add the word rearrange, that if you do not watch yourselves and rearrange your thoughts, and rearrange your words, and rearrange your deeds, and observe the commandments of God, and continue in the faith of what ye have heard concerning the coming of our Lord, even unto the end of your lives, ye must perish. And, and now, O oh man, remember and perish not. There's a need there to, to make some changes 
not just in the arrangement of our furniture or our surroundings, but really in our thought processes. Another one, Romans 12, the first and two, the first second uh, verses. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which your, is your reasonable service. And again, I'll take a little bit of liberty here. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing, and I'll say rearranging, of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So this morning, um, among the rearranging that we need to do, I'm going to say we, sh we have to think about rearranging our habits and rearranging our schedule. And these are all things to increase our intimacy with the Lord. Rearranging our routine, our values, our priorities, our goals, our motives. Rearrange our preconceived notions. Rearrange our perspective to align ourselves with God's desire, purpose, and plan for our lives. You know, the Lord has a plan for each one of us. He intends our relationship to be dynamic and in and, and, and motion and changing. He's always leading us to the next thing. I don't know how, how many times in the last uh, nine or ten months we've heard about um, or we've been directed to the scripture about the brother of Jared at the shore. Um, and the thing is, you know, and we've heard it all, always before, I'm not going to beat it to death, but the Lord is always telling us there's something more, there's the next thing. And we can kind of be idle and stay back and be, whether we're comfortable or fearful or a combination of both, just kind of like stay here behind the fence, or we can go with the Lord to the next thing. And, you know, um, I, think, I think it was uh, Walt Whitman, a great poet, and he talks about going out on a ship. There's a beautiful poem about, about um, passage to India. It's about, going, it's about Christopher Columbus, actually. But there's a line in there. He says, steer for the deep waters only. And what he's saying is, go for the deep water. Go all the way out. Because there, he, it says, are they not all the seas of God? In other words, that's, the Lord is the Lord's ocean. And, you know, he's giving us the freedom to go out there. So he says, steer for the deep waters only. Go out for the deep. And the Lord is asking us to go deep, you might say, and trust him. And he has all good things for us. So I thank God for the, the privilege and the freedom that we have to rearrange our thinking and our deeds as well, that we might take full advantage of what the Lord has to offer us and that we might receive the blessings of God. May God bless you this morning. What a beautiful message uh, we heard this morning. And you know, I think to myself, you know, don't we all rearrange our lives on a regular basis? You know, I think of my life in general. You rearrange your schedule based off of school. And you know, you, in high school, you change things around. You start to drive. You have afternoon activities. Your life changes a little bit. When you meet that special someone, you rearrange your life again. So when I was married, it's not all about me. 
even though sometimes we may argue about that, right? Yeah. <laughs> but in general, it's not all about me. And we rearrange our lives with our spouses. And it's different because you're solving for another person. When you have kids, you rearrange your lives. Not that it's bad, but it's very different. And I think of you know, the sacrifices, especially my wife made, you know, about giving up a job and a career that the focus might be on our children. So we change all of our, thing, all of our lives on a regular basis. We rearrange things. But I want you to understand what Brother Anthony pointed out today. It's not the natural rearrangement that we're focusing on through this. If you want more of God's righteousness in your life, you need to rearrange your sin, your mistakes, your bad habits. Your good habits need to become more. And I was thinking to myself this week about this topic, and it's a very long time ago, before I was a minister, we had a little mission on the far side of town here in uh, Phoenix. And I gave a sermon on a guitar. And my cousin's here who can probably attest to it, but I had this big black flying V guitar. And you know, it would fit in every 80s rock and roll video that you can imagine. That was the type of guitar that this was. And that was the guitar that I played in bands with, and you know, I went to places with it. And I want you to understand today that this guitar represented everything bad that was in my life. It took me to places that I shouldn't go. I interacted with people who I shouldn't be with. I made mistakes that I shouldn't have. And that's what this guitar represented in my life. And when Jesus convicted me that I might rearrange my life, just as Brother Anthony pointed out the people of Ammon, they buried it. They got rid of it. They ran from that sin. It wasn't a trophy that you put up on the wall, which we could have done with that guitar. But it went to the shop. And I got rid of it forever. And with that money that I got from that guitar, I bought this brand new acoustic guitar that came with me to church. And the places where they didn't have a piano player, I got to bring my guitar to church to play. And it represented that change, that rearrange in my life. That what I was, what I had, the things I shouldn't have gone to, the things that I shouldn't have did. Through God's righteousness, rearranged, became something new, became something better. That's what our brother pointed out today. These wonderful examples in the scriptures, that's what they did. They found the sin, their mistakes. They got rid of them completely. They buried them deep in the ground. They rearranged them for him. That they might have more of Jesus Christ in their lives. That's my hope for me today. That's my hope for all of you. That we might find those things. Bury them deep in the ground. Find something else to replace it that is a blessing to the Lord. I'm very excited again for all these different perspectives we've heard on these topics. I'm thankful for God's message today. 
um, that we all might rearrange these things. So why don't we all rise? We're going to close our um, morning service in prayer. I'm going to have Brother Pete come up and close in prayer. And then for those of us who are here, we're going to our uh, uh, prayer request portion. May God bless you. Such wonderful words of life. Let's all look to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, as we approach your presence this morning, we're so thankful, Father, that your holy word is alive. It's so precious to us. It is food for our souls. And such wonderful instruction this morning, Lord, and such wonderful order. And how you affect our lives and how you, Father, convict us, as was said, that we might make changes and we might do it for the honor and glory of God. We know, Father, that we were put on this earth to worship you. And if we don't worship you, we'll worship something else, as Brother Anthony so beautifully pointed out with the children of Israel. And so this morning, Lord, we want to say, with all of our heart, we want to worship you, Lord, today. We want to lift you up and lift up the Lord Jesus Christ, not only in word, Father, but in deed and in action. We want to lift you up because in doing so, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. May our actions, Father, through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, may it lead men to Christ. Help us, Lord, I pray. Bless us with your spirit. Bless us with your glory and your love. So dismiss us now, Lord. Let us go our way rejoicing. Let us go our way determined as we leave this place, Father, that we might be better people. Oh, not because of what's, what's inside and what, what my works are about, but because your spirit is upon us and you continually call us unto a higher plane of life. Bless us now, I pray. Bless our afflicted. Bless our church, Lord, that we might be a church that is filled with your glorious city set upon a hill that can't be moved, where people and nations will flow up unto the house of the Lord. I pray thee, Lord, that we would see great and marvelous things in the months and the years to come as you, Father, call men unto Christ. And so be with us now, we pray. We wait upon you, Lord. We, we want to dismiss now with your blessings. Bless all of our congregation that couldn't be here today, that is visiting virtually. Lord, I pray that you would speed the day when we all can be together. Bless our nation. Bless, Father, this pandemic, I pray. I pray that you would allow, Father, your holy grace to fall upon this nation and upon people, that your healing might take place. And so we'll be patient, Lord, and we'll wait upon you. And we have hope for a better day, Lord, because we know Jesus said it and called it out. We thank you and ask this now in Jesus' holy name. Amen.